1: To another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collard here, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin, who, yes, has to pick the schedule and give the final pick uh, before we go into the year. But first, we have to talk about this game between the Vikings and Cincinnati Bengals. And a place to begin, Courtney, is we just came off the practice field and Anthony Barr was not out there, which is a very bad indication for his chances to play. He was limited on Wednesday, no practice at all today. This, combined with training camp preseason, where he barely practiced, did not play at all in the preseason, not a good sign for this defense defense for Anthony Barr not being here. And now it puts into question, when will we see him? Because every time he's practiced, the next day he can't practice again.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's the concern of it being a chronic issue with his knee because he's had some knee issues in the past. And I think him being out there on Wednesday and then not seeing him on Thursday, unless they're doing some sort of crazy gamesmanship where they didn't want us to see him, so then they bring him out at the period after Media is able to be at practice. I don't I, – I, why would you start that? You know what I mean? Like yeah, they've never done that before. No, if you were going to have him out there, have him out there at the beginning of practice so he can go through stretching. So it's an issue, but Mike Zimmer prefaced this as, you know, one day he feels really good, the next day might not be the same. So to me, that's an arthritic, tendinitis, whatever type of condition. You know, it's chronic, and that's an issue, and I think that that's something they should really be – heavily concerned about because this is somebody who's had some issues the last couple years staying healthy, whether it was the hamstring back in, I believe that was 2018, um, to the the pec injury that kept him out most of last season, and then this. So I think it's concerning. I think you can kind of tell where the Vikings are at frustration level-wise, where it's something that they just don't have full control over. And when we talked with Adam Zimmer about it today, you know, his assessment was that I know when Anthony is good to go and I, I versus when I know he's not ready to go. And, you know, they've been working together for a while. He trusts that Barr knows his body. Um, but he's going to be on a snap count. If he plays on Saturday, on Sunday, like you might not get him for a full game. I, I would imagine if he is playing Sunday, and I checked in on this for the last couple weeks, every time I was met with it's 50-50 chance he'll play, you know, that worries that would worry me to think, okay, what version of him are you gonna get? Are you gonna get him to a point where you get him out there and then he has a setback and he misses the next three games? That's what they're worried about right now because this issue keeps popping up. So, you know, they're putting a lot of trust apparently in him. What Adam Zimmer said that, you know, he's gonna talk to him say, if he can go, like, hey, I can go or I can't. They're listening to the player in his body and you know, for someone like Barr, who's coming off that pec injury and had a pretty good camp for a couple weeks, and then August six, bam—that's the last day we see you practice. He's missed a lot of time. He's not in football shape, so I'm—I don't really know what he's going to look like when he gets out there. And <clears throat> granted, like this was just during individuals. When I saw him on Wednesday, he was moving around okay, but he looked a little stiff. And yeah, it was individual like drills with the, with the linebacker group and you know, some running around, not a whole lot that you can take from that, but he did look a little stiff. That was just my observation from it.
1: So there's a small picture and there's a big picture to this. Mm -hmm. And the big picture is that it went through my mind today that Eric Wilson got a very small contract to play with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Vikings moved heaven and earth to put void years in Anthony Barr's deal mm-hmm. and worked it around and fiddled with it and did all the things that they do that are good in the short term but bad in the long term to keep this player who missed the entire season last year and then comes back and has an injury issue again. And there was already a question of how valuable Anthony Barr was compared to his contract to begin with, and it just made me think about the number of times that they have shown anti-patriots level loyalty to players like that that was always a bill belichick thing it wasn't just tom brady it was always that when a player was no longer worth it they would move on and cut bait and that, that even goes back to when like curtis martin was a huge superstar for them but they had a price and they said nope we're not paying it uh jamie collins they up and got rid of at one point they let someone else pay the bill and then brought him back when he was cheap like the vikings are the opposite of this like did you play on the 2017 team yes okay then you get a huge contract look
0: at harrison smith at 32 years old getting a deal he just got exactly and they just made and brian o'neill which i think is you know he's deserving but second highest paid right tackle in the nfl when you have 80 percent of the rest of your line is kind of this giant unknown i mean that's a not saying he doesn't deserve it but that's a lot of resources to wrap up in one player it's
1: hard to be efficient when you give everybody everything they want. And with Anthony Barr, there were a lot of questions on the day he signed. It was not a second guess. It's kind of a first guess. Is he worth this this contract? Then you add injuries to it, and you look at Eric Wilson and say, that was a good player who made plays for you, and what's the drop-off from Barr to Wilson, especially if Wilson is healthy? It's probably not that much. So I think in the big picture you're saying – this was one that was probably foreseeable and maybe they should have even cut bait after this year because they could have done that and earned a good amount of cap space and they chose not to.
0: Yeah, they restructured and he got $9.4 guaranteed in that structure. They guaranteed forty six north of $46 million to defensive players in free agency, including nearly $10 million in this restructured deal to one player in Anthony Barr. That's a lot. That's That's a lot. And I feel like there's always just kind of been this frustration... With certain people in this team, not necessarily those who are the pound the fist on the table for Anthony Barr. like Mike Zimmer has always had bars back. That's his first draft pick. Of yep. course, he's going to do that. And I feel like there's always this frustration. Like the other day, I kept seeing, well, Christian Darisaw is not in football shape, X, Y, Z. And then, you know, Anthony Barr we're going to see. Well, Anthony Barr hasn't practiced either, but he's almost treated like with kid gloves in a way, in the way that he's talked about by Zimmer. And I can understand that. That's the loyalty aspect. But I think that there is an internal sense of frustration from some within this building that he hasn't been used for to, to the strength of his abilities. Like, the time you drafted him, like you still haven't done all the things that he was really good at in college and, you know – this is always the running joke is when are we going to see Anthony Barr as a pass rusher? Like that fits into the overall equation of why are you paying him so much? Why? And I know there are so many things that the average eye cannot see with Anthony Barr as to why he is so vital to this defense, the way, you know, he's worn, he's worn the green dot since, you know, early on in, in his career here, he calls the defense. he knows, what everyone else is supposed to be doing. You could tell the lack of communication and the breakdown last year, and also just like the level of play, the the fall off, when they didn't have him. But is that worth tying up a ton of finances in for this year when it just kind of feels like his health is such an unknown that it puts the team in a bind?
1: Right. I believe everything Mike Zimmer says about Anthony Barr, that he is tremendously smart, super unique, a unicorn player at the position to be as big as he is and as fast as he is, that he's highly intelligent. I think we've seen all those things play out. But when you watch a player who got, I think, $3.5 million to play somewhere else, get three sacks, three picks, make some plays, force some fumbles in Eric Wilson, and then you say, no, goodbye to you, but we're going to keep our guy because we're loyal to our guy. Well, it's football. And at some point, you have to be like you're – injured and you're on the older side in yeah. your late 20s. So why are we doing this here when this is a very risky move and they've done it a lot. So that's kind of the big picture is was this foreseeable that it may have been a better idea to just move on? I would say that it is. Now in the short term, Nick Vigil, you're up buddy. I mean whether Couldn't it's gonna be
0: running straight at him too.
1: Right. Whether it's limited uh for Anthony Barr or no Anthony Barr at all, which is how I would project it as we record this Uh, Nick vigil is up next and they let Eric Wilson go did not pay Eric Wilson a very small amount of money that he got elsewhere bring in a different guy who has not played for Zimmer before and also like has a history as just a guy Mm -hmm. and now that person is supposed to be next to Eric Hendricks taking huge responsibilities against the team that throws over the middle a lot throws quick a lot and has a very very talented running back.
0: Yeah, and I think the Joe Mixon thing. I mean, I was just, that's where my brain went. Teams don't have to run up the middle on you. They can go, they can force things to the edge. And, you know, does he have the speed to get there? Does he have the ability to stop the run that way? Because they're going to, I think that's kind of the weakness within his game that they're going to try to pick that apart and run right at Nick Vigil. And I mean, yes. Like, they, and it's also like he came from Cincinnati. Don't you think that they probably know, like, the best way to exploit him? I mean, Paul Gunther brought him here because right. Paul had him in Cincinnati. So, I, I just think that that's he's been calling the defense in Barr's absence, which is better than having Eric Kendricks do it because Kendricks, that's just like he's so such a cere- uh, I guess more of what's not cerebral player. He is a cerebral instinctual. player, instinctual. Yeah. Like he'll go, you know, the whole "see ball, get ball" thing is what they love to say. That's too much to put on him when he is so good at just being an instinctual player. So. How Barr calls the defense probably is different than what Vigil does, in spite of what we're being told in press conferences. So I would imagine you'll notice very quickly by how they try to use play action, by how they try to run on this team, if they're really going to attack the linebacker group because they see how weak it is behind Vigil and Kendricks. I mean, they're probably gonna be in base for a lot of su- of Sunday if I would imagine if bars not gonna be there. And, you know, what you have to think of too is how many weapons they have between, you know, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, uh, the big you know, CJ Uzoma, like all these all these weapons that they have, how does that affect the rest of the defense? Is that's gonna put so much pressure, I would think, on the back end when you don't have somebody like Anthony Barr coming downhill at you and I, you know, the covering aspect too, I just think there's going to, there could be a drop off with that. So. Yeah,
1: the, Joe Burrow's biggest strength. I think you're exactly right. Joe Burrow's biggest strength was throwing from 10 to 19 yards. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that usually mean? That means the, the linebackers yeah. right over the, the middle of the field. Uh, you also pointed out that Nick Vigil like, has some weaknesses in his game. In 2019, when he was a starter for Cincinnati, he was top 15 in missed tackle percentage. And I think we saw that even play out a little bit in the preseason mm-hmm. that he's not an exceptional tackler. Like he is just a guy. He's a guy with some. experience. He got a very small contract yeah. here.
0: Like he had like a million guaranteed in it. It's not like he got this massive deal. He's not, you know, Bobby Wagner, like yeah, right. You know, or KJ Wright. Like I just don't understand. Like why, you know, there there's a drop off. Like that's point point blank period. Like it's gonna look a lot different if he's out there. He's your number three linebacker. If you're in base, he's a situational player. And I just I would worry about what that looks like and and what that speaks to long term because if Barr doesn't go this week how can we have any sort of confidence that this lingering issue with his knee is going to be something that doesn't just be like the stop start create a stop start effect throughout the season like I would be concerned about that and he's here for this year and then his contract voids next year so he's gone anyways you don't want to waste that money nearly 10 million in guarantees no way
1: so I do wonder, like, as we try to interpret the Mike Zimmer financial uh, thing that he—oh, you know
0: what he was talking not, about. No, I even asked you about it, and I think more—no, I know than anything
1: else who he's talking yeah. about specifically. That's the quarterback, but like, what is it? The linebacker position that's bothering him in a way um, because they didn't keep Eric Wilson. That they had to make financial, tough financial decisions. It's like I, I wonder which. Part of the team specifically is bugging him, and if it's anything, I think it could be linebacker because he knows when Anthony Barr's not out there, they used to Mm -hmm. have an option of a guy who was quite good, and now they just don't. And so, you know, maybe it was, well, we can't afford that couple of million, which is odd though because you get to this point and they do have cap space and they just haven't used it, so that's a little bit, I don't know puzzling i think who,
0: who else is out there though well now right now that now, kj wright just got yeah. signed like
1: now there isn't anybody out there to sign but i mean in in the off season to add depth and they went the extreme cheap route with with Nick vigil, vigil. Yeah, and
0: that was the first day of um a free agency yeah right that yeah. was their their um, their second splash of the day behind alvin tomlinson and then Marquee peterson signed. came the next day yeah
1: Yeah, uh, so, right, everything else came right after we recorded podcasts. So, um, I expect bigger news to drop right after we do this. Okay, so, as you're trying to predict this game, which you're going to predict the whole schedule momentarily, what is the one matchup where you are most, not just interested, but unsure of how to predict X is going to play out against Y with the Cincinnati Bengals and Minnesota Vikings? Because I... Have this game as as a Vikings win. I do too. And I think a decided but a win. win. But what but what let me put it a different way. Like what matchup could give Cincinnati such an edge that they could keep this close?
0: If the secondary is not what it's panned out to be, with like all your additions, Savior Woods, Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breeland Mackenzie Alexander, like we've heard all offseason about how I, and I do think Patrick Peterson will be the best cornerback on this team bar none I have no issue saying that what does he actually look like out there because mm-hmm. we really have no cl- no right. clue we would have right. maybe seen a little bit of in a preseason game and I'm not going to completely knock Bashad Breeland for getting left on an island with Tariq Hill but like that did not look good so what does that look like for Patrick Peterson out there are they going to be in a situation where they want to make him play more, put him in more situations where they're playing zone? Because I'm looking at these receivers and I'm not saying, like I don't know what to gauge is Patrick Peterson's athleticism right now because we've seen him go against his own teammates for the last six weeks. We have no clue. Are they going to put him on Jamar Chase? Is Jamar Chase their number one? Is it T Higgins? Is it Tyler Boyd? Like who do you put? I mean, obviously one of them are going to go in the slot. That's not where Peterson's going, but – how do you play Patrick Peterson in this game? Do you keep him on a side? Do you have him shadow somebody? Like, I want to know, are we seeing the early steps of this is going to work out for Patrick Peterson, he's going to be able to prolong his career, whatever, or are we starting to see the signs of, yeah, this guy is on the other side of 30, and it's very obvious. And I know that's a, we haven't seen the defense, the whole defense, take a live rep together. That's something Adam Zimmer pointed out right away in his press conference today. And it's something clearly that's on the minds of everybody on this defense. When you talk about unknowns, it's kind of the buzzword around here this week. That's a big one. So I'd be curious to see, like, all coming off of play action, um, you know, what they do with with Mixon. Um, but particularly, they have a lot of weapons. And yeah. Burrow Boyd can and Higgins per- are good. Yeah, and Burrow can move around. Mm-hmm. Like, his offensive line sucks, but, like, he should be fine in terms of the mobility with the the knee. I don't think they'd put him out there if he wasn't ready. Um, So how are they going to exploit that secondary? Because I'm I'm confident the pass rush is going to be better for this team. So that should, in theory, help what they're doing on the back end. But what do those cornerbacks actually look like in a real NFL game? And are they going – because, like, if they can't handle Cincinnati and Arizona's going to probably go four wide next week, good luck like that's a big pro that's a big big um like disadvantage for the Vikings I think if you see how they handle these receivers and these guys these they've got some dogs they're good but like yeah that's what I'm looking forward uh, as far as like what what would give Cincinnati the overall edge but uh, like you I I I made my pick earlier it'll be on fr- uh what well, would be up on espn.com on Friday but a little preview I went 2320 Vikings oh Because I think the secondary will get exploited. Mm. And I actually had Greg Joseph kicking a 50-yard field goal to win. First game for him since the 2019 playoffs when he was with Tennessee.
1: Hey everybody, the season is on the way. Fans are going back to stadium, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage. Can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways.
0: Kansas City.
1: I have also shown my belief in Greg Joseph for no reason other than kicker randomness and I might be right.
0: <laughs> and there's only one, so <laughs> right. like, I mean,
1: <laughs> there's no right, yeah. there's nobody else that he competed with, so they must have liked something about it. Uh I think that the Vikings can and I'm going to pick them to blow the doors off of Cincinnati they
0: should yeah they should
1: I'm going like 27 13 because I just think Joe Burrow coming back from his injury is going to be really tough but if there's one thing that changes that in my mind I agree with your assessment that the back end could certainly be one of them I think it's Rashad Hill versus Trey Hendrickson yeah like I think they're not wrong well and also Ole Udo is starting his first game do you think Cincinnati's not running stunts twists blitzes right at the interior same
0: with Cleveland Moving right. to the other side, left guard. I mean, I know right. that like left is the left side's more familiar to him, but that's still new. You have technically three new starters in all positions. And I know Rashad's been here, but he's never been like your starting, starting left tackle. So
1: Right. And that was the thing with uh when Boone and Searles were on the other day that they were concerned about is Kansas City sent a blitz up the middle and no one picked up the blitzer and they just sacked kirk cousins it was like Mm -hmm. wait what is and that was on
0: hill like that was a rashad sack
1: that was that was against Indy. i'm talking about the one against kc where no one blocked the guy coming straight oh yeah yeah and and hit kirk yeah i mean that was where it was like right in between udo and bradbury and nobody picked him up Mm -hmm. like so i'm sure cincinnati noticed that that happened yeah the one on rashad was just quiddy pay beats him it's a preseason game who cares but The the that was a concerning sack when you have a miscommunication. So that I think offensive line key situations. So a lot of three and outs because of things like this. Mm -hmm. A lot of sacks. The Vikings were I think top ten in sack percentage last year. That's where I would be a little nervous, um, especially since you're you you know the guy who led the league in sacks is taking on Rashad Hill right off the bat. So you better be ready, right?
0: Yeah, no, you're yeah, absolutely. And I just. I think this is a battle too of finding out who's overrated and who's underrated. Yeah, This defense right now, I think by and large, little overrated. I don't think that's unfair to say they need to prove that they're actually as good as we think that they could be. Because right now you have a cardboard house. I don't know where the found, I don't know. It doesn't have a solid foundation because it's like, wow, Patrick Peterson. Wow. Michael Pierce, Daniel Hunter, who I never – I don't have any issues with Hunter, but I'm trying to think of, like, some of the newer additions where I'm like, they look good on paper. Xavier Woods looks good, but is it going to pan out where we're like, okay, that defense actually did bounce back to form. Like, I think it's overrated right now.
1: Okay, it's time to make your official picks because we've got to run out there for the end of practice to talk with Mike Zimmer. Cincinnati, you already said, is a win, 1-0. 1-0. At Arizona, again, this is official 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 picks, picks. You're just locking in you have no other chances to change this this is the, Don't the last ma- time
0: you could do it i remember no, a couple years ago you, you made me change it after every loss, or go and like reevaluate after every loss Well,
1: we're, we're certainly going to do that but i mean like this is the one you this put put down before the season
0: mm. at arizona since i am two. having them beat cincinnati I think that they will beat Arizona.
1: Okay. 2-0 to start the season. So we're going to go a little more rapid fire yeah, here. They
0: come back home. To
1: Seattle. Or against Seattle. Oh, my gosh. They're actually playing Seattle at home.
0: Yes. I think Seattle's going to be an epic mess this year. I really do. Um, they tried to let Russ cook. Then they tried to run the ball. Like, it's just not working. I do think Seattle will win that game.
1: Okay. Two and one to start the year. A big game against Cleveland. A revenge game yeah. of sorts.
0: That's a loss. Okay. Two straight games loss at U.S. Bank Stadium. I know people are not going to want to hear that.
1: That would help uh, Sam's prediction that Kirk Cousins gets booed by week five. Uh, then they face Dan Campbell and the. Uh, what is it? The kneecap biters. The kneecap
0: biters. They'll they'll beat Detroit. Okay. And they'll beat they'll beat Carolina because Carolina by that point Matt Rule should probably be fired because they'll probably be like one in five after beating the Jets on opening weekend.
1: I think so too. I think that team is just going to be straight up bad. They're um, awful. But we'll see. We'll see if Matt Rule makes any adjustments after a really really tough debut season for him um, or second season from him. Okay. Let's run through these. Home against Dallas. On Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night
0: Football. I actually think they will win this game. I think Dallas, more than anything else, their offensive line's a mess right now because they don't have Zach Martin. I think that they will be able to exploit that because I'm not sure of the strength of the rest of that unit.
1: So you have a 5-2 and two start mm-hmm. for the Vikings. All right. They go at Baltimore.
0: I think they will lose this game. They'll be 5-3 and three going on the road to the Chargers where they will win. And then they'll lose against Green Bay when they come home. Okay, so
1: six and three is the win against the Chargers. Six and four is, or did you say win against Green Bay or losing? Lose against, lose Green, against Bay? Green Bay. Okay,
0: six and four after that. They will lose to San Francisco on the road. That's a hard stretch. You go L.A., Green Bay, L.A. or San Francisco. That's tough. So you've got losses against
1: Seattle, Cleveland, Baltimore, Green Bay, San Francisco. And San Francisco. So, so there that is five,
0: five losses so far. They'll beat Detroit. Okay.
1: So that is, oh my gosh, we've just lost ourselves. Seven and five. Seven and five right now.
0: Going into the Pittsburgh game, they will lose to Pittsburgh. Seven and six. Now they go at
1: Chicago, which always has to be a loss. Yep. Always every year.
0: Even if they win, which they did last year, that will be a loss.
1: Once you lose a game to Chad Hutchinson, it's always a loss. So eight Mm -hmm. and seven. No, seven and seven now. So they've started five and two, fallen to seven and seven. They play L.A. at home.
0: I think L.A. is a Super Bowl contender. I think that they lose this game at home. They're not having a very good home stretch this year.
1: So that's eight and seven. I think the exact opposite of L.A. I think they blow up. Okay. I think it's 2018 Vikings all over again. Uh, so you've got eight and seven at Green Bay. This one will be a loss. Eight and eight going into week seven. No, eighteen. Mm -hmm. Against the Chicago Bears at home, where have we seen this movie before?
0: Yeah, if I mean, there's no way at like eight and uh, nine and eight, you'd be backing into the playoffs. Nine and eight, you could, but maybe not eight and nine.
1: Eight and nine, you're probably out.
0: I wanted to pick them at eight and nine. That's what I have them in my head, and I think I honestly ended up screwing up one of the picks just in terms of the numbers here. They're eight and nine. I think that they'll. I think they'll split with Chicago. I know I messed this up somewhere along the way. I think they'll get swept by Green Bay, split with Chicago, sweep Detroit. Um And honestly, I mean, the, the, for me, where, where I'm where I'm getting stuck right now, and why I probably should have done this like differently, I don't know about Arizona. If if they come out sure. and look terrible this weekend, and that de- if they win a close game. That's that would scare me into thinking that Arizona could really, really do some damage to them. But to me, this is a non-negotiable. You have to beat Cincinnati in week I one. I agree. I agree. They, but but so eight and nine's what, what I'm picking the schedule as. I know I messed this up, but this is somebody who messes up pie charts regularly. I know, Can't I do saying, simple I, math and like need to pull up my calculator to figure out how much tip I leave. Like this is not <laughs> a this is a serious uh, f- character flaw. I was um, just going to
1: say this is traditional. Yes, that you have done this but, exactly. Uh, now I'm sticking with my ten and seven pick. But I think 8-9, 9-8, 10-7, all of them are sort of in the same ballpark. And we will see how it ends up playing out. So we've got to go up to practice and talk to Mike Zimmer. But I appreciate you jumping on here as always. And now, football, Courtney. Football. Football. Football.